Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Glad you can be with us. While all NFL teams are looking forward to the first game of the season this Sunday, perhaps none more so than the Cleveland Browns, who hope to put a controversial offseason behind them as much as possible, as they head to Charlotte to face the Carolina Panthers and their new starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Our sports business reporter, Joe Scalzo, joins us. He was with us a few weeks ago as we previewed the preseason. Now as we head into the regular season, an update on what's going on and what we might expect from this year's Browns team. Joe, thanks for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me on again. Last time we spoke, we still did not know what Deshaun Watson's situation was, but that was resolved actually a few days after our last conversation, suspended for 11 games. If you had to guess the mood of the Browns, is it that's, you know, let's get this on the road, or is it more like just let's get this year over with? What do you think the mood is around Berea these days? I can tell you as a Browns fan that there is no level of nonsense in the offseason that cannot be wiped away. So I think we're all kind of excited, um, although certainly not the way that we felt heading into last season when, you know, we kind of felt like it was a Super Bowl team. And now you're kind of like, well, at least if they start games, they can stop talking about the offseason. So somehow, <laughs> somehow, some way, I think we'll find a way to get excited uh, about this matchup. And obviously there's a lot, uh, you know, a lot of storylines heading into this first one. While the Browns, I'm sure, would have rather had Watson suspended for fewer games. Do you think they're happy that this is all there was, that it could have been worse? Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, there was definitely a feeling that it was headed in that direction. Um, after the NFL appealed, I think there was a worst case scenario out there of not just uh, where he's suspended for a whole year, but he has to like do all these certain certain things to get reinstated. And, you you know, and so Commissioner Roger Goodell was very tough in how he talked. And um, but I think there was a sense on both parties. Let's just get this over with. So. 11 games, and, and that really changes the expectations, and I think it changes the way that everyone sees this team um, and, and its potential, because I think when it was a six-game suspension, there was a feeling that that's not so bad. Uh, 11 really really kind of uh, adjusts things downward. We'll take a bit of a deeper dive in that in a second. Just one more question on the Watson situation in general, though. You heard a lot of talk around when all this was going down about people and saying, I'm not going to go to the games and organizations saying, maybe we don't want to be involved with the Browns. Did much of that happen? Do you know of anything? People backing away, you know, organizations, supporters, advertisers, that kind of thing, or, you know, people who bought ads with them, did that go away? You you know, we haven't really heard anything uh, on that level. And I think, you know, obviously when you're a, a, a company that partners with the Browns, it's not just a one-year deal where you can just say, well, I'm out of here. Usually it's a multi-year package. And I think the the silence that you heard was them saying, you know, we're not going to do anything. Because if you were going to pull out of that, if you were going to stop being a, a Browns partner, you would have probably been very vocal about it and, you know, gotten pressed for it. You haven't seen that, to my knowledge, you know, they haven't lost a lot of season ticket holders. They haven't lost a lot of businesses. I think you lose a lot of casual fans. And it's interesting, Dan, because a couple of days ago, I emailed uh, like a half dozen people who ran Browns backers uh, chapters around Cleveland area just to see if they would talk about it. Nobody got back to me. Um, nobody wants to talk about this. I think everybody's just kind of focused on getting through this and seeing what happens uh, once Watson's back on the field. But I, I do think there's a sense they're, they're going to lose fans, but I don't know that that's a, a widespread feeling. You mentioned last year going into the season, there was playoff expectations and even, I hate to use the word Super Bowl expectations. What's what's the expectations now that we have Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback for these first 11 games? The Browns have them have him as the quarterback. Have they lowered expectations? Or are they still going to say, we're going to get to the playoffs? Oh, I mean, I think they're a lot lower. Um, I, I think there's a sense that... Uh, 
Um, he he's fine as a three to four game band aid, but when you have to stretch him out over eleven games, his weaknesses really kind of come to the fore. And you know, at the same time, there, there's a sense that Baker played really poorly last year, and they were a game or two away from the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett won't probably play as bad as Baker did once he got hurt. So who, who knows? This is a good roster. Um, there's some weaknesses, especially at wide receiver. So, I mean, it, things could take a downward turn. But, you know, I think there's a feeling that if they can win maybe six or seven games um, with Jacoby Brissett and then Deshaun Watson comes back and who knows how he'll play because he hasn't played in almost two years, th- there's a chance. I think there's 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 ways – and, I you know, September is always about optimism. There's ways of talking yourself into this team, but there's certainly ways of talking yourself out of it. And uh, that starts with Jacoby Brissett. I, I, you know, you don't you don't have four teams in four years uh, unless there's some warts in your game. And and uh, but you know he has he has some good qualities too. So we'll see. I mean, everyone's kind of anxious to see if Kevin Stefanski can kind of pull the best out of him, or if uh, you know if this is just going to be a lost year. I would imagine conventional wisdom says with Brissett as your quarterback, you. Try to lean on the run. <clears throat> excuse me. Try to lean on the run game and try to make the game shorter, as they say, and you know, hope your defense can bail you out. But you mentioned the wide receivers being a weakness. I mean, obviously, teams would then just load the box against the Browns and dare them to throw the ball. Yeah, it's it's really hard in today's NFL to to consistently win by running the ball because it, you know those seventeen to seven games are are pretty rare. So yeah, I mean, you're going to need explosive plays in the, in the passing game. Amari Cooper's a, a great player, but they've got question marks everywhere else. And, uh, y- you know, it's just w- when you run the ball, you do a lot of eight, nine, ten play drives. And that's kind of a recipe for, for trying to slog out every game and, and find a way to win. And, you know, the really good teams in the NFL, like the Chiefs and the Bills and those types of teams, they blow teams out half the time, you know, or, or comfortably win. And uh, so it's it's just harder when you have that that smaller margin for an error. And as good as Nick Chubb is, as good as Kareem Hunt is, you know, as good as you know, even Durant Johnson is, uh, you know, it's hard to win consistently that way. So I, I think that's obviously why they went out and got Deshaun Watson. But you know, it, it's going to be tough over the first eleven weeks. Or though maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Nobody knows anything, right? But. Uh, I would say at this point, like it's a nice theory to say we're going to win with running and defense, but that's just not the way the modern NFL is built and, and the best teams are built. Since we mentioned the run game, what is the Kareem Hunt situation? Are, are the trade rumors heating up again? Are we done with that until the season's over? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, that was sort of a short-lived controversy where he wanted you know a new contract or he wanted to get traded or something. There's just not a huge market for guys like that. You know, Running back is a devalued position in the NFL. I think you know he's making like $6 million. I think probably enough people have gotten his, his ear and said, look, just play the season, perform at a high level, and maybe you'll get a, a new contract from either the Browns or another team. But yeah, that, that, that seems to have died down. And, and uh, you know, the, the bottom line is that they just, they have a lot of running backs. So I don't know that he had a whole lot of leverage in that, in that situation. Maybe if somebody gets hurt, it changes though. They run, run the league. To be in the hunt for the playoffs, realistically, how many of these games do the Browns have to win before Watson comes back? six the minimum and then you're still kind of hanging yeah, around or I think you got to be above 500 in those games um you know obviously they expanded the playoffs you have 17 games so you know 11 game suspension still leaves you six um that he can play but and again you, you just don't know how many he'll he'll play well in and I think 
you know, you try to get to 10 games, 10 wins. And so that would require Watson to go four and two if Jacoby Brissett wins, wins six. So it's, it's tough. The math is tough. The AFC is really stacked, you know, until Watson comes back, there's probably eight teams that you could say are, are better than they are. Uh, although, I mean, again, that's kind of based on quarterbacks, but yeah, that nothing that the, <laughs> the Browns showed in their final preseason game made you think, Oh yeah, they're going to be just fine. So we'll see. <laughs> well, you mentioned the AFC being tough and their division, the, the North is no pushover. The Bengals, I knew they have some new offensive linemen, but still they did go to the Super Bowl last year. The Ravens are still mm-hmm. formidable. How tough is this division? Well, it's funny because everyone sort of writes off the Steelers, but Mike Tomlin just has a way of going over 500 every year, no matter who his quarterback is. So there's uncertainty there, and, uh, but they have a you know a good roster outside of, of the fact that Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback. I, I think the Ravens are prime for a bounce back. They had about the worst injury luck you could have last year. And Lamar Jackson, if he stays healthy, is just, you know, he has his, his playoff weaknesses, but he's such a dominant player in the regular season. So, you know, that would be to me the favorite. I think the Bengals are, are really good, but I think they got lucky a little bit. I think they had some good fortune last year. Some things broke their way, but I think they're a playoff team. I don't know that they're another Super Bowl challenge, you know, type team, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where you look around the league and it seems like there's always bad divisions from time to time, and the AFC North is never one of them, um, except for the Browns. <laughs> they, uh, they're the outlier there, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those divisions where I think you can make a case for all four of the teams being a playoff team, and I think, you know, to me, the Ravens and the, and the Bengals are, are teams that you would pencil in at this point. All right, let's do best case to worst case. Let's say the Browns, fingers crossed, are nine and two when uh, it's time for uh, Deshaun Watson to return. Then what happens? I mean, if you have a quarterback who's taking you to nine and two, do you sit him down for a quarterback who's very rusty? I realize there's a talent disparity there, but yeah, you're winning with the first guy, then what? I, I got to say, Dan, when we talked, we thought about best case scenarios. Nine and two <laughs> was more optimistic than I was willing to go. If he's nine and two, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that you do sit him down, no matter how much eight, money. Three, seven and four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it depends on how Jacoby Percent is, is playing and how the team is winning. But if they are nine and two, holy smokes. <laughs> I think uh, the universe yeah. might implode. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, would be a, that would be a wonderful question to ask. <laughs> okay, how about the worst case scenario? What Could they be three and eight? I mean, could it go that bad? You know, we're, we're, in the NFL, we're Clevelanders, right? Like we know. What, <laughs> I guess you. I guess it could. I would be surprised. It's hard to be really that bad with a roster that good. Um, maybe if Jacoby Brissett goes down and and you're kind of relying on backup quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly a way that could happen. But boy, yeah, th- then you're stuck because you know Deshaun Watson would come back, and it's basically like nothing really matters in the games, and and uh, you've kind of lost your whole season based on that suspension and. And I think if that happens, the risk that the Browns took in acquiring him, it looks a lot worse than uh, than if they're still in it. So the Browns have certainly been three and eight before, <laughs> and they could be again. But um, yeah, it's probably the truth lies somewhere between those scenarios, right? Remind us of the Browns' situation at quarterback after Jacoby Brissett, then what? So behind Brissett, you have Josh Dobbs, who looked good in the preseason, but wasn't even able to beat out Mason Rudolph in, in Pittsburgh. And he's literally a rocket scientist. He's a good athlete. And so there has to be a lot of weaknesses in that game if he hasn't seen the field yet in his NFL career. 
So, you know, if he gets in there, he, he brings a, a, an element of mobility that, that Brissett doesn't have. And I think, you know, that that's something there he could survive for a game or two. Kellen Mond, uh, who they picked up off from the Vikings, is really just a project. I don't, I don't, I don't know that he's an NFL player. And Josh Rosen, who's on the practice squad, um, he, he, I think he's been with like 37 NFL teams in, in three years. So um, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, his talent is giving him chances, and his actual quarterbacking ability is causing him to lose those chances. So, yeah, I, I think obviously their their quarterback situation looks a lot better when Jacoby Brissett is their two rather than his number one guy, because I don't know that I would trust any of the guys they have behind Brissett to, to consistently win games in the NFL. Joe Scalzo joins us today for the landscape. Joe reports on the business of sports for Cranes Cleveland. He joins us today for our podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Joe, uh, what's the injury situation coming out of camp? Obviously, they've had a major loss with the losing their starting center. Any other big injuries as we head into the season? Um, well, Jack Conklin, uh, who is their right tackle, he, he was injured for a lot of last year. Um, and I think it's kind of like 50-50 at this point, whether he plays in the opener. I, he'll, he'll see time eventually. But, I, I, you know, at this point, like they're kind of keeping their, their uh, answers close to the vest. So it, that one to me is the major one. Jakeem Grant, who they had, had signed in the offseason, he got injured, you know, earlier in camp. He was going to be a, a kind of a dynamic return guy, maybe a receiver option for them. Those are the two that, to me, that stick out as, you know, you mentioned their, you know, their center as well. But, you know, those are the two that stick out. But I think, you know, for the most part, they're healthy. There hasn't been any, like, devastating run of injuries. You know, to me, the guy that they just can't afford to lose is Amari Cooper. And he's a guy who's, you know, been banged up at times in his career. Uh, he's healthy now. But, you know, they have depth you know, in a lot of positions, but wide receiver isn't one of them. So hopefully that, that remains that he's, you know, Amari's in good shape, but, but so far, you know, Jack Conklin's the guy, I think that, that everyone's kind of watching to see if he can, if he can play, because when he went down last year, the offense really struggled. And, you know, obviously Baker isn't a guy that, that, you know, can win any track meets. So that, that can kind of contribute to the downfall of the whole season, I think. You mentioned season tickets earlier in our conversation. What were season ticket sales like for this year? Do you have any feel? You know, they've they've kept it pretty quiet, but even in their in their their ads for tickets, uh, the Browns kind of mentioned there's a season ticket waiting list, which I think is still true. Yeah, I mean, and and those obviously are are you know a little bit more solid people that are just Browns fans every year, regardless of of who's on the team or what. So, um, it, you know, as far as the secondary market, which is you know you know, what you can kind of get a better gauge of because it's a little bit more open, you know, demand is down a little bit compared to last year, but you know, early in the year, the weather's good. People are a little more optimistic. And so it's actually funny because the back half of the season or the games where Deshaun Watson's going to be back for them. Those tickets are lower than what you're seeing earlier in the year. But it, you know, again, that's just because it's going to be cold and people's expectations are, are maybe that they're not going to be that great. But, you know, I think, um, I think demand's a little bit down compared to last year, but it's probably pretty similar to what you're going to see most times with, with the Browns. And so it doesn't seem to me that Deshaun Watson has really affected um, the appetite for the Browns either way, you know, as far as, at least as far as like in-game attendance goes. So we'll see. In the old days, if you wanted to buy a ticket and you didn't have one, you bought one off a scalper who was in front of the stadium or you bought one from StubHub or some kind of secondary market. And now mm -hmm. everybody has tickets on their phone. Is that affected this at all? Or is it still pretty much business as usual? If you want to get a ticket, that's the way you do it. 
I think, you know, it just becomes easier to get that. You don't have to, <laughs> I always hated negotiating with scalpers because I just felt like I was so out of my element where I was like, oh, he's ripping me off. Uh, so I think <laughs> it's, uh, it's better this way to have it on your phone. And obviously if you have season tickets, it's easier for you to sell them, you know, to go through a broker. Um, and I think it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if they are bad, you're almost better off waiting until just before the game starts to try to get those tickets because, you know, those prices will drop when people get more interested in selling them. But, um, I, I don't know how you feel. I, I, I like that. Uh, I like that they're on your phone now. I think it just makes, makes the whole process easier. Yeah. It just, I mean, as long as the Wi-Fi works, if you put them in your wallet, your Apple wallet or whatever, you're okay. But I, it just makes, I do think it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. One of the things when it comes to being able to watch the Browns, one of the things I hear from Guardians fans, a lot of them are like, it's hard to watch the Guardians on TV, depending on what your cable package is or however you're dealing with television, because they put them in places that not everybody has. Mm-hmm. Will the NFL ever get to that point or is it just too big and too popular? You know, I, I kind of feel like they've been dipping their toes into more, you know, like exclusive things. They have a package with Thursday Night Football with Amazon Prime. Um, you know, there's an NFL plus app that they've debuted, you know, and obviously if you want to get Monday Night football, it's on ESPN, but for the most part, it's a very different business model because they've been so successful having it on free TV and, and having access and having people make that a part of their, their weekend where they sit down on Sundays and, you know, watch three games. And so I, I don't see them doing that, you know, just, and partly that's just because they're getting so much money from CBS, from Fox, from NBC for those packages. So you'll, I think you'll see them continue to diversify and offer exclusive games here and there to, to different parts. But like, you know, compared to the guardians, a lot of people have Amazon prime. It's, it's like 10, 12 bucks a month. It's not that big of a deal to shift over. If you wanted to watch Thursday night games, which aren't that great either. Whereas, you know, with Bally sports, you have to have a cable subscription or maybe a satellite subscription and a lot of people are cutting their, their cords. And so they want to have that individual maybe streaming option, which is coming. But yeah, it hasn't been there the last few years. And I think I think baseball has chased short-term money for you know long-term loss. You see interest is going down, ratings are going down. And some of it is just because the games are more you know regional, there's not as much of a following in Cleveland to watch games from LA or you know Seattle or New York or whatever. But um, I, I think they've lost part of their fan base that's frustrated because they were, they're willing to pay for that specific team, but they don't want to get all of cable. So you bring up a good point because I think the NFL, and, and again, there's football and baseball are different, but I think the NFL has, has gone the right direction, offering as many games as possible, as easily as possible on TV. And, you know, the MLB, it's just, it's not just the Guardians. It's, it's playoff games where you're just like, what channel is this on? Where, where, where can I find this? And when it's hard, it's just, it makes, when it's hard to find, it's easy to not watch. And so, you know, and, and again, the Cavs had the same problem, but there's going to be a Bally Sports app. You can pay 20 bucks a month um, and just get the, you know, Bally Sports Plus. You'll be able to watch it. I, I believe that they'll do the same thing with the Guardians next year um, as long as they can get those rights. And so maybe this problem goes away a little bit, although people are still going to grumble that they have to pay 20 bucks a month. But yeah, it's interesting because the most successful league in in North America puts most of their games on for free on, you know, and not in prime time. And then, you know, you don't see baseball following suit. So they're on to something. 
Now we're, we're going to give up trying to project what's going to happen this year. Let's look at 2028 when the, at least the stadium for the Browns expires. You've been looking into this for Cranes. What did you find mm-hmm. out? What are the Browns thinking about in terms of moving possibly to a different place in the city? Or what's what, what are people talking about? Yeah, and it's interesting because the Browns publicly are saying, you know, we're not looking necessarily to build a new stadium elsewhere in the city. You know, or they're focusing on a land bridge that kind of connects people to the, the current site. Um, privately, I don't know that that's true, but you know, obviously, when you <laughs> we trade for Deshaun Watson, and then you go, "Oh, hey, I want money for a, a new stadium," that's not going to fly. So I think they're trying to keep it close to the vest and maybe focus in on on seeing if they can salvage the situation with the current stadium. But I, I think they would love to have a dome somewhere off the lake, and then develop the the lakefront land for for other things, residential, commercial uses. And to me, that that would be, you know, the best case scenario. It's very expensive, but if you can sort of make up the cost of the stadium with, with the cost of the land and the development, then, then maybe you have uh, something. But I, you know, to me, this is a this is a chance for Cleveland to transform their downtown in a very positive way. Um, I, I know people are very um, very sentimental about that specific location because it's where Municipal Stadium was at. Um, it's where, you know, a lot of their childhood memories are, but I, I think that's worn off a little bit since 99 because of all the losing. So, you know, I come at this with, I know it's expensive, but if it were me, I would find a way to build a stadium somewhere else. You know, they've mentioned the post office across from where the, you know, progressive fields at. And, and, and you know, it's, it's funny cause I wrote a story. I didn't, I didn't inject my own feeling. I kind of just tried to find, you know, 10 or so people that had really interesting opinions and, I don't know that you can find a better intersection of Cleveland's passions with than what they should do about the lakefront and oh, also the Browns. Those two things mesh in a very, very powerful, passionate way. And you know, I wrote a story earlier this week that that did very well on our site. Um, Dan, I'm sure you have opinions. I, I'd love to hear what you think too. But it's funny because I don't know that there's a consensus. I think people feel very, very strongly in lots of different ways. And every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I think there's a lot of things that can make sense. And, you know, you have, you have six years and I think the Browns are going about this the right way where you're, you're sort of thinking about it and planning about it and figuring it out now um, to, to see what's going to happen because that stadium is, is not, not a, not a shrine or a cathedral or anything. I was going to say I, I would like to take the bet on what will be de- what will happen first: the Browns win the Super Bowl, or they actually develop the lakefront. I've been hearing about both of these for fifty years now. So, <laughs> yeah, what would you do, Dan? Let me get your thoughts. I mean, I you know, I I think it might. I don't. I, I agree with you. Might moving might not be a bad idea. I get the fact that people do have an attachment to that stadium, but you know, baseball isn't played there anymore. And the best years were the Bob Feller years, and that's how long ago. So <laughs> that doesn't really mean that much to people anymore, honestly. And even with the Browns, you know, you're, I know people have sentimental attachment to the Cardiac Kids and to Bernie Kosar's era, but you're still not talking about a championship since 1964. So, you know, moving, I don't think would be the end of the world. But if they stay, yeah. it's fine. I guess, I guess my final question is taking Deshaun Watson out of this factor taxpayers in Northeast Ohio have ponied up a lot of money for stadiums these last 30 and 40 years. Is there mm-hmm. a point where they're going to just say, that's it, no more, we're not going to do this? Well, I, I mean, I mean, the Browns are going to need to start winning some games for this to be a palatable um, option because, you know, there's an old joke about you don't, you know, if you want to pass a school levy in your town, you know, win some football games, 
And I think the same thing is true <laughs> if you in a stadium. You know, you got to win some. You got to win some football games because right now they're bad. There's not a lot of goodwill um, toward the team, not just for the transaction of, of trading for Deshaun Watson, but how they handled things since then, which is basically a lack of accountability from him. And I think, you know, kind of a unquestioned support from the team. And I don't think that sat well with, with fans. So if you're looking to do something big and transformational, you're going to need to get the bad taste out of the mouth of, of Clevelanders. And, and like you said, you know, they've just renovated Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse that was partially, you know, taxpayer funded, the progressive field, same thing. And so, you know, even if you do make some of the money by selling that lakefront land, there's going to be the, a substantial investment needed from the Haslam's and probably from the state as well, because it's going to need to be shared among a lot of parties. And I think if you find something that makes sense, that's transformational, that changes the perception of Cleveland and its trajectory, then, then you probably have a strong case. But if it's just the stadium's old and we think it'd be better over here and boy, we want a lot of money from you to do it. I don't know that that's going to fly. We'll have to wait to see. Thanks, Joe Scalzo, for joining us. I'm sure you'll be back sometime midseason. We'll see where we stand with the Browns. Hopefully, nine and two is right. Nine and two. You're calling it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. Joe Scalzo reports on the business of sports for Cranes Cleveland. He joined us today for the landscape. I'm Dan Paletta. Glad you could join us for the landscape, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,